Welcome to the Inklecast. This week we're going to discuss maps and pathfinding in open world games. I'm Tom. I'm John. And I'm Joe. So, at Inkle, we're quite well known for making games that mix storytelling and maps. And one of the things we're looking to do is to make our maps more into real game worlds in a way that, you know, the sorcery map isn't quite and the 80 days map sort of is and sort of isn't. But the more that we make our map into a world, the more we bring with it the problem of how does the player see where they are, work out where they're going, work out where to go next, find their way around. It's also a problem with um, 3D versus 2D games, I guess, because 2D games you never have an issue with the camera, um, whereas a 3D game, as soon as the camera can point backwards, then you can get lost very quickly. Right, exactly. So in, in Sorcery, you never miss a turning because you weren't yeah. looking at it, whereas exactly. in The Witcher, you constantly miss turning because you're not looking <laughs> mm. at them. You've got to worry about occlusion as well. Like, if you have a house yes. in front of the signpost, you need to see yeah. you don't know where you're going. And the lower down your camera, the more occlusion you have compared with just, like, an overview map where the camera's always got north. It's true, yeah, and you can't see as far. So there's, yeah. like, a billion problems as soon as you step into 3D. As soon as you step away from our 2D nice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flat screen model where everybody you can see everything and no one has to worry about anything. Yeah. I mean, I guess the classic fix for this, well, fix like the solution, is just to have either a compass on screen or a sort of UI dot on screen that just says go this way or an arrow, mm. sort of crazy taxi arrow. Mm. And I guess we're not especially keen on those solutions. It's funny. So I was playing The Witcher, as I've said every other week on the Google card. <laughs> it's the one game I play. And like, it has this little dotted line thing in the mini-map which kind of gives you the first sort of half minute or so of the journey that you're you're currently committed to and then it fades off so it's sort of just go here next and it I quite liked it I didn't hate it in the way that I normally hate mini maps and I think it was partly because the actual the little map in the circle was quite legible it was quite readable it just showed the paths it didn't try to do too much detail whereas I always find the mini maps in Assassin's Creed are completely incomprehensible oh yeah I can never find my way around them I think it's they've they've got too many levels they don't even do a path the very fact that they have UI for filtering by certain types of things shows that there's just too yeah. much on it. But I do wonder if that's the that's our mobile sensibility coming through again. That like uh, on mobile, you just the filtering <laughs> should be done contextually. It's automatic. Whereas yeah, you know, I, I I don't know, but anyway, I agree. So yeah. Assassin's Creed is almost hilarious actually for yeah. the level of yeah. crap that it throws on the map. Mm-hmm. But I, I quite like the Witcher's dotted line. But on the other hand, if I, if we were making a game like that, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to actually put a dotted line on a little map that makes you stare at that top corner of the screen. I guess I just feel it's a cop-out. I mean, even when it's presented over the game world and you strip out the map entirely, though the mini-map, sorry, mm. it, I'm just still just following the thing. I'm not really mm. looking at the world, and I might as well definitely... I might as well not be playing in this lush 3D environment. Yeah, that was definitely very noticeable when um, we went from the old map systems, from the, the old GTA games... To I think Saints Row was one of the first one to have like satnav essentially, and all the GTA games have added it more recently. And overall, it's probably an improvement. But that said, it was very noticeable the difference between the way you would get to know the world in the older GTA games because understanding the layout of the city became a core component of the gameplay because in order to get from A to B you would slowly have to learn the the layout of the neighborhoods so that you wouldn't have to keep kind of switching 
to the overview map and then back into the game all the time. Yeah. And then as soon as they added sat-nav, like you said, you just end up following this line and you don't really care. Which is anymore. exactly what I do with sat-nav as well. Like, I don't yeah. know yeah. the right structure right. around exactly. Cambridge at all because exactly. I use my phone to tell me. Exactly. Yeah. I guess the question from a design point of view really ought to be, what is it we want the player to actually be doing? Exactly. Do we want them to exactly. just get from A to B? Exactly. In which case, we sort of might as well teleport them with a montage. Mm. Do we want them to find their way from A to B? Mm. Do we want them to discover B somewhere right. in the wilderness? Do exactly. We, do we want them to feel like they found their way from A to B, but actually always get mm. there within 30 seconds? Right, so actually... Kind of thing. Firewatch is a really good example of this because they explicitly want to make orienteering and map following a core part of the process. So um, that is, it's kind of a core mechanic because the, the protagonist brings up this paper map in his hand and you actually have to look at it and work out which way you're facing and how to get between places. And yeah, that's a very explicit decision that they've mm. made there. I guess with that sort of thing, what the... The thing I worry about with it, taking that kind of approach, that very sort of mm. just cope approach mm. um, to the player, or just cope, you know, use the map, sort it out, is that this is a mechanic that you're doing all the time to do anything. It's like right at the bottom of your mechanic stack. Anything else that happens in the game, you've really got to get to the place where you're going first. Yeah. So if it becomes tedious, even a little bit, even once, your player's going to stop playing your game forever. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how you get around it, because as soon as you add, like, well, if you don't feel like doing it today, here's a fast travel option, mm. it, then people are going to gravitate towards the easier one rather yeah. than the hard one. I, th I think it's just like any mechanic, though. Like, um, if you're going to put it in the game, you've got to make it as fun as it can possibly be, and you've just got to be very aware that if you make travelling from A to B a core part of your game then you've got to make sure that as a mechanic, it's fun. It's inherently mm. fun. I guess that means you might want to start doing some really careful environmental design. So, you know, you can imagine that your first section of orienteering, you're going along the big path, which mm. you look at the map, it's very obvious. You yeah, know, the yeah, world, yeah. It's very obvious. And then slowly saying, well, it's the big path past the big rock that looks completely unlike all the other rocks. Yeah. And then you turn left and mm. slowly building up towards mm. a complex sort of yeah. finding process. Yeah. That would be a That's, hard thing to do, though, to get yeah, that kind yeah. of balance really, really right. I think another challenge is I'm not entirely sure how fun a lot of those puzzles are. Like, orienteering is kind of... It's sort of monkey work. It's just a thing you have to do. Well, the and big it's, problem, it's not the big fun. problem it's is the fail case, doing. right? It's like a yeah. lot, of, lot of game mechanics. The, the, one of the big problems is what happens if you, if you don't get it right. Sure. And if you get lost... That's just frustrating. That's awful. Yeah, right. Like, there's so, nothing worse than being lost. Yeah, and there's not really any decent way out of it if you're orienteering. If you actually yeah. get lost when you're orienteering, it's horrible. <laughs> like there's, you know, and as soon as the player says, "Oh well, I'll press this button, it'll get me back on track," then suddenly, why haven't they got a button to do that all the time? Mm. Like that's, I think that's genuinely a really difficult fail state. It's funny. The, the one thing that games always give you, and it's hard. To, I can't think of a counter example right now, but they always give you GPS effectively. So on your map, you always know exactly where you are in space, even if they don't tell you which way you're facing which they usually do tell you, they always tell you exactly where they where you are, including in Firewatch. And that's one of the toughest things about orienteering. Mm, I remember wa mm. walking in the Scottish hills before GPS well, before GPS came down to a kind of consumer price or you have it on your phone. Like, it's so easy to just confuse like two like little mm. arets um, coming down from a mountain. It's actually quite scary. Well, I would always do it because I'm, I'm naturally an mm. optimist. So I'd go, well, I've been walking for ages, so we must be there. There's no way we're there. We must be much further on. Yeah. So I'd assume that I was, you know, and being completely the wrong place. And then, yeah. then there's that 
whatever that saying is that you can you can turn the world on your head to prove yourself right and you kind of go yes. well that field and that wood there that's this bit of the map exactly. I know it doesn't look like the map exactly <laughs> but exactly. I'm sure that I'm there yeah it would exactly. be interesting to see if you could make a game entirely about effectively orienteering without GPS and for mm. it to be fun mm. because it because yeah that feeling of being lost I don't know could you turn so, that around and so make it interesting there is a game that I saw a video of, but I haven't played, I think it's called Miasma, which has a paper map and it doesn't have a GPS spot and you have to kind of triangulate using location to mm. work out where you are. Yeah. I haven't played it, so I have no idea how it plays, mm. um, which might be someone trying yeah. to do just that. I guess one of the thing, the other things about it is that it means you probably start having to have quite small worlds. Like, one of the reasons probably why they do mini-maps in the AAA industry is the size of your world is a big selling point on the box. And actually, if it's a compromise between a good orientation experience and a very large world, they'll always choose a very large world mm. and just make the problem go away. But a game we haven't talked about at all yet, which does a completely different kind of solution, is Shadow of the Colossus, right? Which we always talk about, and we've been mm. talking about in the context of our own mm. discussions for games we're making. So that doesn't use a mini-map at all. It has got a map, but the map is completely illegible and totally incomprehensible. Like, I'd never understood it. I think it was partly because it was on standard deaf TVs and you couldn't mm. see it. Mm. So, whatever. Um, yeah, it's an old-school map, isn't it? Where yeah. it's just a picture and there's not really anything it else to go on. It didn't really help at all. But it had that sword-tilting mechanic. So you did this little mechanic that sort of roughly pointed you the way to do. And I always felt when I was playing the game that that was great. But I'm not really sure I know exactly why I liked it so much. I'm not sure that was a... I don't think I did like it, actually. I mm. felt like it was just... It did feel like um, just a mechanic that was there just to get you from A to B, but not necessarily... It was certainly... It was like the weakest mechanic in the game because the yeah. rest of the mechanics are really strong. Yeah, yeah. And there aren't many of them. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't think it was explicitly fun. I think it's generally the same problem that all yeah, of them have is they're exactly. either functional or frustrating. And I think it was mostly functional. But I as think, soon as you went wrong, it was I horrible. I think it did... Well, I'm not sure I ever did go... I mean, it was quite hard to go wrong with it, wasn't it? Because it showed you which way to go. But yeah, most I of the time. I think one of the things I liked about it was what it did to the pacing. Was you'd sort of ride off on your horse, you'd stop, you'd take a bearing, it would be that way across, well, generally quite an open plane. Mm. And then you'd not want to do it again until you mm. absolutely had to. So you'd ride on for a while and you'd actually be doing all those things we were saying. You'd be enjoying the environment, you'd be mm. in the world, you'd be immersed. And you'd only stop and do it when you really kind of had gone a little bit beyond your comfort zone. Mm to take your next bearing or that you'd reached a fork where you actually needed to do it yeah. and so in terms of the because I think the problem with one of the problems with minimaps is that you stay in the minimap you don't ever look at it and go alright I need to go down the road third left on the right yeah. and then go into the world and play the world for a while I, I certainly mm. didn't in The Witcher but it's partly because the map design is lots of forking paths so it's com complicated in the way that Shadow was not complicated at all so maybe they just had a really open environment where you couldn't go that far wrong but yeah. I do feel it was really well paced. I think, and also it wasn't quick. It wasn't too quick. It wasn't like you just pressed a button and got to go that way. Mm. So because then I would have spam clicked that. I think um, Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, it had another uh, advantage that um, yeah, the the world was quite simple and it kind of funneled you in the right direction. And I think well, that's a kind of another topic in itself. Mm. In the, un, games like Uncharted they're just one long funnel and it's very clever environmental design because the, the the environments are designed in such a way that there is only one way to go but they're they aesthetically they look like there's more than one way to go so you just always end up walking in the right direction um and i think maybe despite um shadow of the colossus being 
an open world game, it had an aspect of that, that maybe the structure of the world was a bit like a hub. Like it was a big open plane with a few walls, but when you went through a gap in the wall, I mean a wall metaphorically, it could be a chasm or whatever, like you are entering an area which um, is a significant area that's mm. just, there's not much, mm. not, not really anywhere else to go so in terms once of you the, get there. In terms of the paths you actually walk, it's a bicycle wheel, central circle, exactly. and then you go in eight exactly. or nine different straight lines. So the sword exactly. tells you which one to go on and then you go on it. Yeah. And then very it's very different than an Assassin's Creed city right. where it's just people going crisscross. Exactly. Across exactly. the map in all directions. And I think, yeah, I think it's, it's good environment design if you can make it feel like Assassin's Creed, but actually it's like Shadow of the Colossus or something. Mm. Mm. I'd definitely be interested in a sort of slightly smaller scale Assassin's Creed game which really paid attention to this, which really tried to get me to learn the city building by building, you know, mm. build a route from here to here and then a place from here to there and start to understand the networks and the, mm. the geographies and own a city, I think. Yeah. I, would, I would like that level of immersion. I guess there's a conflict there that they're always trying to make these massive cities so they can talk about that on the side of the box. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Mm. And I suppose also just giving you new environments is a lot of the actual reward of the game mm. and so looking at the same environment over and over which you'd need to do in a complex city mm. to learn it there just isn't that much to do mm. do you remember L.A. Noire like mm. L.A. Noire was crazy it had all these incredible beautiful replicated buildings mm. that you'd visit for like half a level there was a library that was like five stories big and I was in it for like 35 seconds at some point oh, for some arbitrary I've, reason. I've been getting a lot of that kind of feeling in Uncharted though. This is kind of on, right. off topic <laughs> what we're talking about, but their worlds are so detailed and you just run and shoot your way through them and yeah. in a blink of an eye yeah. and it, it's crazy. Like just walking through a room that takes like two seconds and you only see for a split second. I was playing last night and I was absolutely, I just literally was floored by the rock textures in the Malaysia levels. (laughs) They are so, they're ludicrous. Like there's not a right angle amongst any of the geometry and all the textures fit and they're kind of painterly and they're Mm. kind of photographic and Mm. they're different everywhere. Mm. It's just, but they're completely pointless. (laughs) It's very strange. Very strange experience. To try to bring us sort of yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, literally I to wonder... find our route back <laughs> to the, to the main <laughs> thread. I do wonder if like having high detail is can be used as a landmarking system. So, do you remember where that library in La Noir is in relation to the world because you know the library? Like, if there were five of them and they all look mm. the same, and somebody mm. said, "Can you go to the North Library?" But like, mm. I don't know. Yeah, and actually, I think um, in environment design, kind of. Designing really good um, landmarks is a core thing that I think those, like we've we've never done it in our jobs, but I think that's one of the core things that they think about is mm. is landmark design mm. Mm. and making sure that landmarks are visible from one place yeah. and another. I mean, yeah, because the answer to the the library in Angola for me is. No, because as soon as I turn a corner, I can't see it anymore, and then I don't know where it is. Right, but if I could, yeah, I probably would recognise the silhouette of it. What if it was a string of landmarks? What if you knew it was on the corner by the deli, but the deli was really unique as well? So, Mm. and you know the deli, oh, hang on, that's Mm. near the uh, the market. Maybe, maybe. But I mean, then it needs an incredibly detailed world, which is something something So much of it is about line of sight. I mean, I, I guess there is a problem that in reality, if you're riding around a forest in The Witcher, or if you're running around a city in Assassin's Creed, those are both environments that if you were in the real world, you would be horrifically lost all of the time. (laughs) Sure. And unless the game is actually trying to replicate that experience, 
what is it trying to replicate? Is it trying yeah. to replicate the experience of being someone who knows the environment absolutely backwards? Is Gerald yeah. supposed to know every single street? Yeah. Like, what are we actually trying to make the player feel? I think I think that's a, the, the crux of the whole thing, really, because the reason that they've added Satnav to GTA is that they've realised that the fun is more in the experience of the driving and getting between places quickly than it is about the orientation and uh, mm. orienteering and navigating. Mm. Um, I do wonder if it's just because there's no elegant solution, not that I can propose one, but it feels like if it wasn't so stop-start, just like, because that is the problem, is that you ride your horse for a bit, you drive your car for a bit, and you think, okay, am I going the right way? And if you're not, that's just frustrating. Okay, it's here's really my pitch, punishing right? Thing. GTA... The realistic GTA, you drive a few blocks in the rough direction and then you stop, you get out of your car, you stop a passerby and you say, excuse me, I'm trying to find like Big Jim's Mafia hangout. <laughs> Which way do I go? And the passerby goes that way, second on the right. And then in the world, a little UI element will show you the arrow that they said. So you don't even have to remember the words because that would be asking quite a lot. But you get the arrows of the directions that passerby gave you. Right. And then after that, once you've driven off too far, you have to stop and ask someone else. That's that's a replicating a genuine experience of driving around a city that you don't know without Sounds a satellite. Horrible. Most of the GTO probably would have killed all the people on the way. It's much easier. Yeah, you, well you need a manliness bar that goes down each time you have to ask a question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you just grab a passerby and say, Right, you're coming in the car with me, I'm kidnapping you, and you're oh, bloody gonna tell me where the library good. is. Oh that's brilliant, because it's sort of like a sat nav. But you've got a sort of narrative incentive. Sort of scared Satnav. Yeah, scared Satnav. That's great. It's like a rally driver, but they're being their hostages. I suppose, to, to flip it slightly less violently, it's a bit like hiring a guide. Yeah, right. So maybe one could have, uh, you know, maybe if you're playing The Witcher, what you should do is you should go to the village, you should hire a local guide, and mm. then follow the guide to the location that you tell them to. That's actually a really nice solution, because it doesn't feel like... I mean, it feels like it's very much in the world. It's not a UI solution. Plus, if you could offer sort of vague instructions to the guide, like you could say, can we take the scenic route, for example, mm. then it feels like you're actually doing something. Mm. You're making... Like, you know, when, when you decide you want to travel from A to B in Skyrim and you don't use fast travel, you probably plan a route for a reason, either efficiency or to go to an unexplored area on the map or to drop by, like, a quest that you've not seen. Mm. And you do that just by looking at your map constantly. But if you could tell a guide that and then actually have them sort of vaguely plan yeah, out a route I mean, for you. Could, exactly. Sort of the guide would say, you know, are you willing to take a risky route? Like, yeah. Do you want one that goes past the caves? There's a beautiful site. You could, you could yeah, that would be quite interesting. So they offer it to you as well. So you don't, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, limiting your choices. So it's not just like, I want to get here. It's how do you want to get here? And the game actually offers you a few solutions. Oh, there we go. We've solved mini-maps. Good. Oh, good. Maybe they can take them off games now. Yeah, okay. Probably not. All right. So I think we can agree that it's a hard problem, but no one's quite solved it right. So that's an opportunity in disguise, right? I think the summary for me is that there's, there's a mixture of things that you have to get right, and it all depends on whether, like, you're trying to make navigation a core mechanic, and if it is a core mechanic that you're trying to express, then you need to think about whether you need um, a mini-map in order to help the player along or whether you can do it through environment design and it sounds like it's all just specific to the individual game really. Okay, so you're saying it's not just a hard <laughs> problem, it's an extremely hard problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd agree with that and I want to reflect on something you said earlier, John, which was that it really depends on the experience you're trying to sell, which I think is really true and I think that's 
potentially undervalued when there's such common solutions, like you're making a big open world game, of course you're going to have UI markers and a mini-map and a sat-nav. And I think that's maybe something developers could consider more, is what are we actually trying to accomplish here? Mm. Is a teleporter mm. just as good a solution for us in this case? This episode is getting long, but it suddenly occurred to me, what about Minecraft? What does Minecraft do? So there's a map and there's a sort of marker where you are, although you can actually run off the map as well and you've got to build a new one, but it doesn't really have any <laughs> explicit landmarks unless you've built something really big or there's mm. a really clear area it's on the map. It's almost like because you own that environment, because you change it, mm. that sort of, that's how you build your model. You very rarely need to go anywhere specific, though. That is true. Yeah. When you say a map, do you mean one of those pieces of paper that you can get? Yes. As opposed to, yes. Because I never actually had that. Uh, did you not? You normally start I, with them. At least you do on the console version. Okay, maybe that's the difference then. Right, yeah. okay. I don't play I think on, on the PC version, I just didn't have a map at all. Mm. Interesting. And, and that was actually really cool, because you really do... That's a great example of a game where you really do get to know your environment. Yeah. Because you don't want to stray too far from your base, but partly because it's dangerous, and partly because... Well, initially, most of what you need is right there, and it's only as you get get further in the game where you get a, attached to your home and you don't want to get lost and lose your home because you can physically get lost, and that is a genuine danger. And it's actually problematic. Yeah, yeah. so that's a really good example. I that's guess really it's a game that yeah, it knows exactly what experience it's trying to mm. give you. It's that kind of survivalist Robinson Crusoe build-your-base experience, whereas like The Witcher is still mm. a bit more puzzled as to quite what it's trying to do. Is it mm. trying to make you explore an environment or yeah, just know exactly. an environment? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really like about Minecraft's map, now you mention it, is that when you're playing, let's say you're playing The Witcher or Far Cry or Fallout or whatever, you have an explicit location that you're trying to find. You're trying to find this house. And even if you're, you know, like, even if the place that you just land is 100 metres away, and that's pretty good, it's still a failure because there was only one true victory condition and that was reaching it perfectly and as soon as you go off on a tangent even slightly you've failed whereas in minecraft like if you're just trying to find something cool probably in a forest like that would be my objective my vague objective finding the forest is relatively easy and even if i go a bit too far left or north or whatever like it's i'm still going to find it and then i'm very likely to stumble across something cool while i'm in the forest regardless of like how exact I was to where it's I need to go. interesting, actually, because that loops us right back to sorcery, because what you described there is actually how the map in sorcery works as well, in that you have a vague idea of you're going roughly over there, but it doesn't really matter which way you go. You probably stumble on something interesting along the way. That might change your objective, it might not, but that very kind of... There isn't a specific place you're going to anyway, which right. means you can afford to be a lot freer and just have a vague, a vague sense of direction rather than a... Yeah, a solid one. that's really good. I mean, like, so in mm. Sorcery 2, it's pretty clear that your objective is kind of just to get to the other side of the map, and you'll probably have to cross the river at some point, but if you go left or right, it actually doesn't make a huge amount of difference. You just decide at the moment, or yeah. on the spur of the moment, yeah. So you can't really fail, and, and course, you don't necessarily get a success metric out of it either, but you don't need one. Yeah, and 80 days works the same way. So, well, gosh, what a big topic. <laughs> okay. So have we fixed AAA games? I think we have. <laughs> We'd probably best wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah.